Welcome to Chapter 1 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Lieutenant Colonel Chani Cordero, CIO of the Defense Health Agency's Education and Training Directorate. In this segment, she talks about her role with the Defense Agency and how it changed after a recent reorganization, the challenge in identifying tasks that fit the organization's overall strategy but can be done within a short time frame, and the enormous potential gamification has both as a learning tool for students and a motivator for patients. Thank you so much, Lieutenant Colonel Cordero, for taking some time to speak with us today. No, I really appreciate the invitation. Thank you. Sure. So I think the best way to get started is with an overview of your role, CIO and Director of Information Management Division for the Medical Education Training Campus. So actually, that was my title, and about a couple of months ago, the the Defense Health Agency actually did a reorganization as we are trying to determine how is the best strategy to eliminate duplication of processes. And so my role actually got changed or even really elevated to be the CIO of the J7 of the Duplication and Training Directorate. So under this new title, before I was just the CIO of the Medical Education Training Campus, and in a minute I'll kind of give you an idea of what that entails, but now Mm -hmm. I'm actually the CIO for the entire directorate, which means we have four other organizations that fall underneath us. Okay. And in your role now, what are your really uh, prime responsibilities and uh, what you're looking at most right now? Sure. So with the Education and Training Directorate, we have essentially four large components of that. The Medical Education Training Campus by far is our largest. That is the Department of Defense largest schoolhouse training enlisted service members in medical technician training. So think of your dental tech, your lab tech, your x-ray tech. We are an apprenticeship essentially of medical training. We also have our leading education and analysis directorate, and that organization is really more for our healthcare executives. We do more of medical executive training in that particular organization. We also have the Defense Medical Readiness Training Institute, and their mission is really more regarding the combat-related medical task and training. And We also have the Continued Education Program Office. That organization is responsible in ensuring that all of our credential providers have the opportunity to continue to receive their CEUs. And then lastly, we have the Modeling and Simulation Office, and that's one of our newer organizations that we're standing up. And that mission, of course, will be focusing on adding more resources and standing up our simulations or augmenting some of the simulation centers we already have. Okay. Okay, so really quite a lot going on. It um, is, it is. And so all together, it's about 84 or so training programs um, okay. throughout the, the rectorate with anywhere from 11 to 1,300 faculty, and students can range from around six or 7,000 students daily. And so, for example, the Medical Education Training Campus graduates about 24,000 students a year. And so my branch, which is Information Technology Management, is responsible for the information technology, network, 
multimedia, administration, all of the tasks that kind of deal with private sector. Right. Okay. What you mentioned earlier about this reorganization to avoid some of the duplication, and I can imagine that that is a really big focus, especially when you're talking about so many different training programs, and I'm sure that that's not an easy thing to try to, to have some level of standardization. No, absolutely, and that's kind of what Congress charged us in the Defense Health Agency is why do we have different clinical systems through the different branches Right. of the military? Why does the Air Force have a different way of capturing a piece of medical data that's different than even the Army? And so on my campus, we have all these clinical systems because my students train on them. And so some of those programs are, are different, and they all do the same type of practice. So we have like one supply system that the students use to order medical supplies. Well, the Army system may be different than the Air Force system, but their prime responsibility is ordering medical supplies, right? Mm -hmm. So how do we streamline that and standardize that? Now, at Mm -hmm. my level, I'm only focusing on the training part of it. I'm not actually in the process of standardizing the actual systems. That would be a different element and a different branch that's responsible for that. Okay. For you now, looking at right now and, and in the near future, what would you say takes up most of your focus right now? Sure. So just like most CIOs, we always get bogged down in that day-to-day, right? I mean, those are the the day-to-day tasks. You know, a system goes down, network is unstable, you know, cybersecurity, just the day-to-day task of being a CIO. But we all also always try to look future, right? And what's a little bit different than in public sector compared to private sector is that, especially for someone that's active duty, I'm only going to be in my role probably for, you know, two to three years, maybe four at the most. And so when I look at strategy, of course I make sure that my initiative is nested into the strategy or the organization, but I'm also a realist. And so I need to ensure that I have initiatives and goals that support our strategic plan, but also is something that can be done within the time frame I'm going to be here. Right. That is a really interesting angle. Um, So what are some of the things that kind of fit into that category? Uh, You know, having those, I guess you can call them quick wins, even though (laughs) maybe it's not always a win, but... (laughs) Right, right, right. So, no, absolutely. So looking at something that we can do within that time frame. And so, I mean, I've been here almost three years. It'll be three years this summer, and I'm due to rotate out this summer into another job. And so like right now my focus is finishing out some of the initiatives that we started maybe a year ago and, and, and actually almost three years ago. And so, so one of our strategic initiatives was exploring intrinsic learner engagement, right? And so how do students learn today? looking at all of those different learning modalities. And so with the technology advances of VR and the inexpensive cost, we're looking at different platforms of how do we train our students. Right now we are currently looking at one one of our programs that does primary assessment, for example. We are taking that curriculum and looking at ways of can we gamify this Mm-hmm. With the point being is, can we ensure that our students understand this, make it engaging for the student, and bring out that intrinsic value that the student's not sitting there flipping through 100 pages of PowerPoint, you know, yeah. secretly wishing that they were somewhere else. But can we right. make training more fun 
and where the student actually wants to do it and they want to compete against their peers. And in the meantime, what they're really getting is the material. They're learning right. material, even though their end state might be is, I want to beat my friends in this topic. Yeah, that, that's really interesting and uh, pretty cutting edge. I'm sure that for some organizations there's hesitancy around that, but it really seems like from what you found so far that the pros outweigh the cons. Absolutely, because the advantage of, of gaming is the upfront cost might be high, right, as far mm-hmm. as in actually building out the scenario or the game and getting the game designers in and getting the graphic artists in or whatnot. But after that, once it's completed, you're done. Other than doing updates, too, to ensure that it's still engaging, especially if you're building, like, a video game or some sort. Like, you know, after a while, the students will learn the answers. Yeah. <laughs> so you right. have to kind of make the scenario changes so that they're always being challenged with it. But once you make it, it's done, and it's replicated, right? So you, you build in a game for an app, then it's not like some other type of training that sit, you know, you have to continue to add to it. This one, you can add to it, but the, the upfront cost is already done. After that, it's just maintaining. Yeah. And it's that concept of, of meeting students where they are that we see the same concept talked about in patient engagement of, you know, meeting them where they are if it's using certain tools or technologies, but, you know, to really increase that engagement. And is that something that that you think has potential on that side as well? No, absolutely. I mean, all of this is born into the medical side of the house, right? So in my current role, I'm more of a medical trainee, more so mm-hmm. than actual delivery of healthcare. but the concepts are the same. I mean, by nature, I'm a healthcare CIO, not an educator CIO or education CIO. Right. And so when I look at initiatives or whatnot, I'm also thinking with my healthcare hat on, how does that relate? And so patient engagement is not just ensuring that the patient is involved in their care, but it's also looking for strategies to ensure that the patient continues to be an active member in their care when we're not around, right? Right. I mean, our patients should remember to try to ensure they take their medication daily or monitor their, their blood sugar level daily. How do we do that when we're not there reminding them constantly? And this is where I, I really see gamification can have an impact on that patient engagement strategy, right? So, you know, we can design a, a game, so to speak, where maybe the patient will on their own ensure that they're taking their medication or whatnot because maybe they're trying to reach that trophy, that star. I always think of Fitbit, Nike Plus, and all of those type of athletic applications showed us that, you know, a little bit of competition, a little bit of badges and trophies or whatnot, it makes people do something that they wouldn't ordinarily do. And that's really what gamification is. It's not about a game. It's not Candy Crush. It's making people change their behaviors. Right. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.